Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News, live from our studio here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, Accra. My name is Zoe Abubedu Ado and I am here with... Kweku Ediamanta. Coming up, after two years of back and forth to elect a substantive president for the Ghana Journalist Association, Atinka Media House's Albert Jumfo has been elected to steer the affairs of the association. Also coming up. We are also directing that the Minister for Defence withdraw the military attache in the area for the time being over the weekend. Parliament orders Defence Ministry to withdraw soldiers deployed to help staff of the Electricity Company of Ghana install prepaid meters following years of tussle between community members in the Krobo Enclave and the ECG. And later... The presidency has responded to claims made by Samuel Okujito Ablakwa um, on the president's recent trip to Europe. The presidency says strike by workers of Brussels Airlines caused the use of a chartered plane by President Ekufado. We're bringing you details of that story shortly. Stay with 97.3 City FM for more on this and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. The World Bank advocates for the development of data-driven policies to accelerate Ghana's economic transformation agenda. Ellen Dapa joins us in the next 15 minutes for more in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates. In the Western region, you can re- hear us on Premier FM 100.5 in Takradi and Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, Bono region, Greener FM 95.9 in Sunyane. Ashanti Region, Orange FM 107.9 in Kumase. Volta Region, Akwini Radio 96.7 MHz on Pando and Heritage FM 107.3 in Hohoi. Northern Region, Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. Word FM 88.3 in Zwarungu, which is in the Upper East Region. Upper West, West Link 88.1 FM in Laura. Northeast Eagle FM 94.1 in Wale. Wale. Across the globe, you can hear us on citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome. You can reach us on 0549-986-996. The hashtag is City Newsroom. Let's begin with the Ghana Journalist Association. This is um, an issue that concerns a lot of journalists for close to two years the association hasn't had a substantive um, executive to lead or steer the affairs of the association. So Roland Afilmoni was acting for the last two years as president of the GJA. And we have um, results from across the country um, that indicate that Albert Jumfo has emerged winner and is the president-elect for the Ghana Journalist Association. Sixtus Dongulu joins me um, in studio to give us some of the results that have been trickling in and how the voting pattern went. Thanks for joining me, Sixtus. Welcome, Zoe. Will you say this is a shocker for a lot of people? 
well, we 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 had a couple of names as far as the presidency is concerned. We had a couple of names that dominated the campaigns and even across um, social media. There are those who said that they they heard very little about the eventual winner, mm-hmm. um, particularly in all the social media back and forth. You would often see just two names, uh, one responding to the other. Uh, so it seemed as though the election or the race was just between the two, but it turned out otherwise. Mm. So in, in some of the headlines we are seeing or the commentary we are seeing on social media actually um, describe the eventual winner as, as, as the underdog winning the day. That is what we are seeing. So if you just take a carefully look at the results that came in from across the country, uh, we can start from the greater Accra region. And there were three centers, as far as we see here, um, four, actually. So we can start from the press center, the Ghana International Press Center, uh, where we had a number of votes, 142 in all. And then we we had Mr. Dave Agbenu taking 30 of, uh, of, of that vote. Mr. Gehad Mensah taking 40 of that vote. And then um, we have... The eventual winner, Mr. Albert Jumfo, taking 72 of that vote. And so in all, that was 142 coming from the press center. So for that center, he won with a 50% margin. If you move from the press center to the GNA, GNA had 20 votes, uh, 28 votes mm. in all. 20 of that 28 went to Mr. Jumfo, 6 went to uh, Mr. Gehard Mensah, and two of them went to Dave uh, Agueno, Mr. If you go again to the Graphic Communication uh, Election Center or Polling Center, uh, we had in all 53 of the votes, 18 of them in the name of Mr. Dave Agueno. Uh, that means that uh, Dave Agueno won that particular center. No, um, that's Graphic Communication. Yes, Graphic Communication. Uh, Mr. Gehard got 21. No, so, I, I'm, I'm mentioning uh, um, Dave Agbenu, mm. who had um, 18, yeah. uh, Gerhard Mensah 21, mm. and then Jumfo 14. had 14 of that. So if you move from there and go to GBC, and GBC in all had 99 votes. Uh, 10 of that went to Dave Agbenu, um, 36 of that went to Gerhard Mensah, and 53 of that went to... Mr. Jumfo, and then if you move to the Tema region, mm. uh, still within uh, the the, the uh, Greater Accra area, you have in all 28, and three of that 28 went to Mr. Dave Agbenu, 19 went to uh, Mr. Gerhard Mensah, and six of them went to uh, Mr. Jumfo. So, mm. actually, if you look across the region, it, 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 it's clear that Mr. Jumfo one in all of the centers, almost all of the centers, mm-hmm. except, of course, for the Tema area, where he pulled six out of the 28 votes. Mm. So and then the, the graphic center to where um, he got 14, 14 yeah. out of the 53 votes. Okay, so let's look, um, let's have a regional um, look. Um, okay. How the, the voting pattern... All right. Went. So from the Volta region, 23 votes were... Uh, 42 votes in all were recorded with uh, Mr. Dave Agbenu 
polling four of that, Mr. Gerhard Mensah 15 and Mr. Jumfo getting 23. To the northern region, there were nine votes in all. Um, three to Mr. Defagbenu, five to Mr. Gerhard Mensah and one to the eventual winner, Albert Jumfo. Ashanti region, 26 votes in all, 8 to Mr. Dave Agbenu, 5 to Mr. Gehad Mensa, and um, 13 of that to Mr. Jumfo. Central region, Central region had in all 16 votes, and it is surprisingly um, evenly split. Uh, 5 to Dave Agbenu, 5 to Mr. Gehad Mensa, and 6 to uh, Mr. Albert, Mr. Albert Jumfo. So that's uh, 16 in all. So meaning that for the central region, he beat his two other contenders with just one vote. Upper West region had 11 votes in all. One vote went to Mr. Dave Agbenu. Uh, Mr. Gerhard Mensah had four. Mr. Albert uh, Jumfo had six of that. And the Upper East region had 16 votes in all. 12 to Mr. Defagbenu, 2 to Mr. Gerhard Mensah, and 2 to Mr. Albert Jumfo. So that, that is the, the split we have there. And if you go down to the western region, there were 18 in all, 18 votes in all. And Mr. Defagbenu got 1 out of that 18, mm. 13 to Mr. Gerhard Mensah out of that 18, and 4 to Mr. Albert Jumfo. And the eastern region... Eastern region, 15 in all, 3 to Mr. Dave Agbenu and 6 each to uh, Mr. Gerhard Mensah and Mr. Albert Jumfo. And finally, the Bono region. The Bono region gave 18, 18 votes, 11 to Mr. Dave Agbenu, 3 to Mr. Gerhard Mensah and 4 to Mr. Albert Jumfo. So, so you would realize that the the new regions seem to be missing from this. Um, if you look yeah. at Western North, mm-hmm. we don't have results from there. That could be because we still don't have uh, regional structures in those regions. So, Northeast is not there. Um, Western North is not there. The Bono East is not there, and Ahafo. It's, it's not also there. Mm. All right. Thank you very much. And that was six to Don Ulo giving us an overview of what the um, voting was like for the presidential um, elections of the Ghana Journalists Association. Fred Duhol has been at the press center, the Ghana International Press Center, um, all day. Thanks for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. What was the current mood there? Has the president-elect already spoken? No, he hasn't spoken because the coalition is still underway. Um, results just trickled in some few minutes ago. And as we speak, the electoral officers are doing the coalition of results from across the country. And um, I would say earlier he was uh, dressing something that I would describe as uh, not signifying victory. But uh, after collating his personal results, and uh, realizing that he's taking the lead, he's changing to some white uh, kaftan, and that is trying to signify some victory on his side. So uh, the mood here generally, we are uh, pressmen basically at the uh, press center waiting patiently to uh, have the final results declared. 
then we can uh, confidently say that indeed uh, the names has been uh, circulated as uh, Albert Jumfo uh, if he's indeed carried the day. But I have the outgoing DJ president, uh, Dr. Alfred Moni, here with me, probably for him to share uh, some insights as to how he um, actually uh, saw today's um, election process. Welcome to CTR Witness News, sir. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Now, describe for us, you've been here since morning. What has been your observation? Um, smooth, contrary to expectations, contrary to fears, that um, the race could be characterized by violence or um, misunderstanding. It has been very smooth, and the outcome um, has, generally, has generally been accepted. We, unsurprisingly, the race has been hermetic, given the forces um, who were in the race. Gehat, um well-known journalist uh, and a PR practitioner, uh, with a, um, a very solid background. I bet um, until recent years was an unknown quantity, but he puts in a lot of resources and he really shows himself to the people. He wants the heart of the people and those have given him the nod over the race. Dave Agbenu uh, was once the general secretary of DJ. He lost by a single vote to Kofi Abwa, and uh, he, from general secretary, started to go for the ultimate. But um, the people uh, chose otherwise. So this is the capsule of the results. And um, my appeal to the generality of the uh, of journalists that we we should learn to reconcile ourselves to the reality. And the reality is that we have an open, fresh president, Albert Jumfo. Um, before even the election, you know, a lot of suspicions, a lot of uh, um, tensions, high voltage tensions characterize the election. And uh, we should try as much as possible to put all this behind us and um, pull in one direction and forge ahead and rebuild what we have lost over the years. At a point, this particular gentleman was uh, alleged to have bribed uh, some candidates or no uh, the delegates, so to say, and um, this really uh, got to your attention. What did you do about that? And in your candid view, has that in any way influenced the outcome we are seeing today? We hear that uh, the left turn committee had been petitioned um, since I wasn't close any power to deal with this issue. Um, and I think there's little I can say about about it. Um, the it was it is it is it is within the um, power of the Lesser Commission to investigate to qual- disqualify any candidate. The Article 43 of the GJ Constitution. So that's a, a, just something totally outside my domain. Given uh, background to the three candidates, you made mention of the fact that um, Mr. Junfo, in particular. Uh, came in as a fresh wine, kind of. Uh, it, it, does that mean that probably the aspirations of the GJA uh, would be quite a daunting task for him to achieve going forward? Certainly, we need to square his victory to the logical reality. And the reality is that it is, as I said, we're going to be a daunting task because there are so many issues he needs to deal with. Um, 
so many forces, so many um, people who have stakes in this association. And um, uh, so yes, we, we certainly this 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 uh, new position is pregnant with uh, monumental challenges. And, uh, and challenges in one in, in another breath is that have hormones for development. We believe that uh, these challenges will prepare him to live out the expectation. He has a solid team, and we expect the team to also back him um, uh, in total so that uh, he will deliver. He has no choice than to deliver. Otherwise, you know how uh, people at the backlash should be, uh, be uh, uh, unthinkable. But lastly, uh, reach yourself, I mean, your tenure of office from a scale of zero to 100. What would you give yourself uh, as Dr. Akamoni, the former GDA president? It is inconsistent with my personality and in Congress with my principle to blow my own horn. In real circumstances, I ring my own bell, but I leave it to the generality of the people to decide. Well, so you had the outgoing GJ president, uh, Dr. Afelmoni, sharing some insights with us, basically telling us that uh, the emerging candidate, uh, Albert Dufour, actually came in with much resources, and that could have uh, catapulted him ahead of the other candidates. But uh, we are lucky again to have uh, one emerging uh, candidate who actually I would say, obviously, you are now the general secretary of this uh, association in person of um, Kofi Yebua. Welcome to the City Eyewitness News, sir. Thank you very much. Mm. How are you feeling as of now? I'm feeling very good. And even though uh, the official results are yet to be declared, and the coalition we have done suggests that we have won over overwhelming. What worked for you? I, I think hard work. And I think um, being truthful to the constitution of the GTA and to the and to the interests of the members of the association, I have always sought to pursue the interests of the association. And from comments I received from both the young and old, and um, suggest to me that they they appreciate the the good work that we have done in the in in, in the in the past. Administration. I am particularly humble because uh, we all know the challenges we have had to face. And for members to give me such an um, endorsement uh, is an indication that in spite of our collective failure, they still see me as a very credible and, 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 and solid individual to, to lead the association in the administration. And I think from the look of things in the past, uh, there are rumors of some form of friction in the leadership. How are you going to manage the situation going forward? You are one of the old executives. New ones are coming to join. What is uh, what are you bringing on board, and how are you hoping to um, I mean, smoothen the relationship of the leadership going forward? I think as uh, President said earlier, we need to break aside. Um, it is not only at the national level, at the regional level, apart from central region and upper west region, almost every region has, has issues um, to do with um, disagreements here, here and there. But um, what we need to do now is to try to rally everybody around because we, we cannot afford to, to, to 
disappoint the members of the association. If you if you get the mood out there, people are really disappointed. And the least we can do is to work hard to to um, win the confidence of our 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 rank and file. Give me your top priorities quickly before we leave you. I think we need to strengthen the structures of the association. Structures, I mean the statutory committees that we have in place. We need to um, review our constitution. It has been one of the of the of the um, undermining factors of our of our progress. And we have started some work on it. We need to complete that. And then we need to rally people around. And that will involve what kind of activities we are going to organize that will um, um, uh, entice people to want to come to the center to also contribute their quota. And all of these things will not just happen. It will require good planning. It will require good organization. And we, we needn't fail. Sometimes um, one of one of our failures is that we, we tend to compromise on things. It's about time we we um, organize ourselves well in a professional manner. We need to let our association look more professional. And once we begin to do that, members will, will feel the need to also come and, and join and, and let, let us all help to rebuild the association. Zoe, thank you very much. And uh, that is uh, Zoe, that is the um, newly elected general secretary, uh, Kofi Yebua, just speaking to us right after the outgoing president, Dr. Alfred Moni. And uh, both of them uh, have been sharing what they make of the election process uh, throughout the day. The election actually started at exactly 8 a.m. And as, at, uh, as of 3 p.m., it came to a close, and the regional results uh, are coming in coalition, uh, like I mentioned, uh, is still going on. All right. Before you go, there were issues of people not finding their names um, in the register. How was that resolved? Well, it, uh, it was only uh, uh, Ken Ashibe, who is the CEO of um, the Tel- Telcos Chamber. Uh, I mean, he's been one of the uh, stunt member of this association uh, for ages and for him to come and say that he didn't find his name uh, he complained uh, bitterly about it but he felt the time for him to resolve that was uh, quite too close and he couldn't really uh, he didn't really want to drag the association back after uh, two years of litigation where this election should have been held some two years ago. And uh, happening at this juncture, he wouldn't want uh, any form of um, um, queries as to why his name was not on the register and even dictating it quite lately. Uh, he didn't want to bring in any issue to uh, further delay the process. So he actually said he, he had to let go. But he was quite disappointed about the fact that uh, even though some of them uh, couldn't get their name on the register, uh, he was expecting that out of the total number that came to vote at the press center, at least half uh, of the people on the register could have come here to vote. But as we speak, the number uh, is less than half. And that, he said, uh, is a cause for worry. And that the new administration would have to whip up interest 
in this association, make it more vibrant, uh, make sure they bring more people on board and leaving no one behind. Uh, he believes that is where the association would have to uh, focus on. And the fact that going forward, unlike the previous regime where a number of journalists didn't take much interest in what the association does, uh, it seems people's eye are now gazing on this particular association and this new leadership will not be allowed to take anything for granted. Uh, so in as much as he didn't find his name on the register, he believes uh, he would contribute his quota to build this association going forward. Thank you very much. Um, Fred Duho is my colleague here at CTFM and CTTV, bringing us an update from the Ghana International Press Center, where um, we, are late, we are waiting for official results from um, the just-ended GJA elections. This is still eyewitness news on City. FM. Still to come, Parliament orders the Defence Ministry to withdraw soldiers deployed to help staff of the ECG install prepaid meters. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You all come back. My name is Zoe Abubeiduado and I'm here with Kwekwe Diamansa. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Now, Parliament has directed the Minister for Defence to order the immediate withdrawal of soldiers in the lower Manya Krobo constituency. The soldiers are assisting the ECG, that is the Electricity Company of Ghana, with installation of new prepaid meters following some years um, of host- months or months of hostility between residents and the ECG over the payment of electricity bills. Now, the member of parliament who raised the matter on the floor of the house is Ebenezer Oklete Telabi. He's the MP for Lower Manyakrobo, uh, which is in the eastern region. He joins me on the telephone lines. Good evening, sir. Yeah, good evening. What prompted your raising of this issue um, on the floor of the house? We know the ECG has been doing some installation. I think they started last week. They are doing this with the help of the military. What reports have you received from constituents um, that has prompted you to raise this on the floor of parliament? Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Indeed, if uh, you recall, there has been an issue between uh, the people of uh, the Kobo area generally and uh, uh, the, PD- uh, the then PDS and now ECG. And uh, during the course of uh, you know that problem, uh, we had a brawl with the police. I mean, some of the, the community members went on a demonstration, and there was some shooting, and uh, you know we lost a life. Some you know were maimed. Um, fast forward, we had an encounter with the PURCU, PURC, you know, to intervene. And, uh, some investigations went on and uh, it was, uh, uh, proven that there were, there were problems. Uh, the, the ECG accepted. And, uh, if you, if you recall, there was this issue about refencing of some bills for a certain period and then arranging for them to pay the rest of the bills over five years. Now, to 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 avert, you know, uh, wrong dealing and whatever, it was suggested that we should have, you know, um, prepaid meters. But then, before the installation of prepaid meters, the agreement was that some public education of the communities, because definitely there are people who, you know, uh, for, for, for the fact that you mentioned prepaid, you know, they may not understand, and because of, uh, you know, the altercation, the misunderstanding, uh, we think otherwise. 
So there was a need for some, you know, education. Now this, I don't know, but uh, before, you know, I realized they have started installation of these prepaid meters in Pong. Now, during the period that the, the installation started, that is about a month and a half ago, I never heard that the people resisted or anybody raised the finger. I have been monitoring it on the, on the quiet. The, the, my my, my uh, 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 constituents call, call me once a while, you know, to inquire about the prepaid meters. And I tell them, that the decision by social, I mean, by the ECG, you know, to, 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 to do that. But it was going on without any problem. Then last week or two, uh, I had information that they were going to deploy soldiers. I thought it was a joke. Then we, we woke up, you know, was it a Wednesday or Tuesday morning? I saw pictures of the, of the soldiers wielding guns, you know, social media as usual. Again, I, I, I thought it wasn't anything serious. But then, uh, uh, two days after that, I saw live pictures in the communities with soldiers wielding guns moving from, you know, house to house to install, you know, uh, what do you call it, the prepaid meters. And I thought it was, it was, it, it, it was unnecessary because, you see, this thing has started. Without that, though, uh, you could start by engaging a community. And then, fortunately for us, there are a lot of institutions in, in Lower Mania. We have teachers, we have, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people who will not, you know, uh, resist the, this installation. And rightly so. As I speak to you, there are people, uh, uh, the ECG people would even tell you that people are voluntarily requesting for their prepaid meters. So why would you bring soldiers? Okay. When you know the state in which we are now, I mean, you, nobody knows the kind of briefing that the soldiers were giving. Now, if you come and you encounter any small resistance, who knows what is going to happen? Because we have had an instance where, you know, there was some shooting. And up to now, as I said, that is still hanging on resolved. So there was no need for them to bring, you know, uh, these soldiers. Okay. Now, w w when they brought, the, the, the people are saying they don't want the soldiers, if you want to bring people in, engage the community. And my question is that if you, uh, the soldiers come into your store, prepaid meters, and then they leave. If they have problems with their, their meters, we don't go to the we don't go to Burma camp or to the soldiers. The ECG must make conscious effort to build some relationship with the people of Lower Mania. After all, the workers in the ECG, a lot of them are our brothers and sisters. Okay. So, I mean, the, the issue about their safety and the fact that Kobo don't want to pay light bill, it's not that you're not there. Somebody is not doing his work well. Let's engage the people. Okay. Let's engage the people. All right. So, talking yeah. about engagement of the community members or residents, now, yeah. we have spoken to some of them who still are yeah. against the installation of the prepaid meters. That aside, yeah. the deployment of the soldiers, so far, I think it's about, mm -hmm. almost, about two weeks, we haven't heard about any incidental issues. They are just there to guide the ECG people based on previous happenings where there was even a loss of what? life, as you have already indicated. There was, yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, th there was also a situation where the ECG people mm -hmm. had to pack out of the Krobo land and move to Japan to start or, or to continue their business because they felt the place was hostile for them. Because in the minds of some of the people, 
they are still not supposed to pay um, electricity bills. And they have confirmed this to City News. Uh, my, my sister, the fact is that the people of Lower Mania, including my good self, had electricity extended to their communities as, as far back as 1969-70. The then Paramount Chief of Lower Mania, Oklame Kuku, was a board member of BRE. He was paying electricity bill. Right? Everybody who had, who had electricity, you know, in his home was paying electricity. We only had problems. These problems started when the problem of overbilling and uh, whatever, these meters that were not captured and whatever came. You understand? There was no time. I am, I am, I, I, in fact, I, 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 I am old enough, you know, to, uh, to be able to, you know, tell you that uh, we have been paying, and I have not cited any document that says that Krobos are not supposed to pay the But, but it seems you, ha- you seem to have <laughs> a different, o- you, you seem to have a different opinion from the people we have spoken to, because in their minds, they are not supposed to pay electricity bill. Uh, I wish it, it's been a while we spoke to them. Otherwise, we could have just played yeah, back some of hold those. On, hold on. What, I'm saying is that, what I am saying is that, you see, with all of these that is happening, you know, I mean, uh, uh, bringing soldiers will, will not let them understand, will not let them change their mind. We need to engage them. Let the people, you know, let the community, uh, uh, the ECG, foster a better relationship with the people. We are coming from a situation where uh, 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 the issue about overbilling led to the killing of some people. So, at the back of the mind, of, uh, you know, at the back of their mind, they, they think that something has happened that does not be resolved. So that can, can also inform the position that they are taking now. But, however, uh, 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 we have gone past, you know, the issue about pay or no pay, and, and not uh, the issue about not paying. We've gone past that. I have, I have, I have, I have just told you that that is not an issue. The issue is that let the people understand that the prepaid meter is not anything, you know, dangerous. But it will take, you know, a, a, a civil interaction for the people to really uh, uh, get involved. And as I said, we have a lot of, we have a lot of uh, 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 institutions in Lower Mania. Why don't we start with them? Come to my house. Opinion leaders, if you bring prepaid meter to my house, I will not reject it. Let's start with people, I mean, people who are, who are well-placed in the society. Let them have it. Go to the institution. We have police. We have we have teachers. We have, we have uh, nurses. We have doctors. Let's let, let's see them using the the, the, the prepaid meter. That can inform the rest. You, you understand? But then if you if you if you come with people who are wielding guns, you know that, I mean there's already tension in this country. Who knows? Somebody can take advantage of this situation. Come and mess up. And I can tell you that people are even calling me and threatening me. You understand? I don't feel safe myself. So. Let, them, let, let the ECG deal with them in, in, a, in a more civil manner. The presence of the soldiers is a waste of time. Because when they started the installation, nobody, they, I mean, the ECG should tell us. They should come with evidence that somebody attacked them. Because I don't know. Because they started in Pong. And so far as I'm concerned, I've not heard that anybody has attacked any of the ECG workers. Because Unless they have been on my no, 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 no. They started in the installation with, before the military, about a month before the military came in. I can tell you for a fact. They started the installation before the military came in. They oh. started the installation. Okay, let's look at the way when, forward. When the, military, when the military came in, then they knew. 
you know, started meditating. You understand? So that is my, 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 my issue is that let the soldiers be withdrawn. Let's engage them. Let us adopt a more civil approach. Because at the end of the day, we need to, I mean, foster relationship. With the ECG, we, 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 we cannot say we won't pay electricity bill. Because we need power. Electricity, bill, electricity uh, company also need money, you know, to, to continue to give us power. That one, you know, it's no-brainer. It is no-brainer. So please, my issue is about the presence and the tension that is building up in, a, in, a, in, a, in our communities. That is unnecessary. Okay, you are the Member of Parliament for the Lower Maniacrobo constituency. Lower Man- that's right, that's right, what, that's right. What are you going to do? How, are you going to call the ECG and go into a conversation with them about your displeasure or the community's displeasure with the deployment of the soldiers? What are you going to do? Well, for but that, that, is, that, that is what I have expressed in Parliament. And the, the, the Speaker has ruled that the minister, the minister must take you know, steps to get the soldiers out of the place. It doesn't mean that the installation must cease. But we must engage the people and let them understand and, and let them appreciate, you know, what the, the, the situation is. All right. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. You're welcome. So that was the Member of Parliament for the Lower Maniacrobo constituency, Ebenezer Oklete Telabi. This is still Eyewitness News. Still to come, the presidency is blaming strike by workers of Brussels Airlines for the use of a chartered plane by President Kufado on his recent trip to Europe. Please stay with us. We'll bring you those details shortly. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News. Let's bring you more stories now. And Parliament has programmed three ministers to brief the House on urgent matters in the country. The Minister for Food and Agriculture has been called upon to brief members on the compensation package from government to farmers affected by the outbreak of the avian influenza in 2021. The Minister for Interior and the leadership of the National Identification Authority are to brief members on their challenges with the issuance of the Ghana card and the National Security Minister will tackle the issues related to the speed of recent terrorist attacks in the sub-region. A firm date, however, has not been fixed for these engagements, but let's listen to the Majority Chief Whip, Frank Anadompre. Uh, the National Identification Authority, the committee is in discussion with the Minister of Interior to have an appropriate date for the authority to come and meet members accordingly. Again, discussions are underway with the Minister of Finance uh, in relation to presentation of uh, media budget review and in due course, a confirmed date will be communicated to members. So we are in accordance with Order 44. Um, we are hoping to have a date to have an engagement with the national security uh, regarding matters on security as was earlier raised by members. And as and when we have a confirmed date, it will be communicated to members' duty. So that's will present the business statement and get through. So you have there the majority chief with Frank Anodopre. Now let's move to one of our headline stories. The presidency has responded um, to Honorable Samuel Okujitoa Blakwa on claims of President Ekufuado hiring or chartering a, a private jet on his recent trip to Belgium and Rwanda. Let me read 
partly what the presidency or the communications directorate of uh, the Jubilee House uh, has been saying. This was signed by Eugene Ahin, who is a director of communications at the office of the president. And it's a response, as I said earlier, to Samuel Okujito Ablakwa, who made those claims on social media. He, now, portions of it says, according to Honorable Samuel Okujito Ablakwa, the president's trips to Belgium and subsequently to Rwanda were aboard an Airbus ACJ319 registered DLX. He further adds that the 480,000 euros, which is derived from 21 hours of total flight time, time plus other industry charges, works out to some 4.1 million cities at the current exchange rate. The facts of the matter are as follows. President Ekufado left Ghana on Sunday, 19th June 2022, to attend the 15th edition of the European Development Days Forum in Brussels, Belgium. It is public knowledge that President Ekufado did not travel to Belgium aboard a chartered Airbus, as being claimed by the North Tongue MP. Indeed, prior to the president's departure from Accra to Brussels on Sunday, 19th June, Ghana's mission in Brussels had sent notice of an impending strike in the aviation sector in Belgium to the presidency and to the foreign ministry. Indeed, on 17th June, unionized Brussels airline workers, including pilots and crew, had announced their decision to embark on a strike beginning Thursday, 23rd June to Saturday, 25th June. This was going to result in the cancellation of over 300 flights, including those from Brussels to Chigali. In furtherance of this, Belgium's largest airport, Brussels Airport, was compelled to cancel all outgoing flights on Monday, 20th June, the day President Ekufado arrived in Brussels because employees at the airport had joined in an aviation sector strike. With the presidency having been given prior information regarding the strike, action before the president's trip to Brussels, the option to travel using a direct commercial flight from Brussels to Chigali was not available. Thus, the decision was taken to charter a flight for President Ekufadu and his entourage to make the 8-hour, 40-minute flight from Brussels to Chigali on Wednesday, 22nd June. Honorable Okujito Ablakwa joins me over the phone lines. Good evening, Honorable. Now, the presidency has indicated that um, President Okufuado did not travel from Belgium aboard a chartered Airbus. In fact, he was on a commercial flight which departed on Sunday and made a stop at Ouagadougou and then continued to Paris. Hi, good evening to you and good evening to all distinguished listeners. This is a clear case of uh, Mr. Eugene Ahin uh, creating his own set of facts, uh, creating his own questions and proceeding to answer them. Nowhere in my original expose, did I say that President Akufuado left Accra aboard the 20,000 euros an hour jet? Nowhere. Take a read of my, my, my publication. It's still available. I talked about the 21-hour flight time relating to this ultra-luxury chartered jet from K5 Aviation uh, based in, in Germany, which is known as uh, or registered as the Alex. 20,000 euros an hour, 21 hours flight time. And this is how it works. You see, when you read Eugenia's statement, it's clear that 
it needs some education in these, you know, aviation matters, matters relating to how flights are charted. Either he genuinely uh, is ignorant, needs education, or he's just deliberately misleading the Ghanaian public. To say that it was just an eight hours and 40 minutes uh, flight and create the impression as if that is all you pay when you, you charter an aircraft is <laughs> it, totally ignorant. Look, when you charter an aircraft, and in this case you charter the DLX from Germany, K5 Aviation is based in Germany, you will pay for when they set off from Germany to the pickup point, Brussels, one hour and 90 minutes. You pay for that. Then you will pay for the waiting period. And when I tracked, they waited for about an hour. Uh, you will also pay for the eight hours, 40 minutes from Brussels to Kigali. Then you will pay for the layover period because the crew must rest. And in this case, they rested for some five hours. You will pay for that. Then you will also pay for the return flight. When the aircraft has arrived at your destination, you have disembarked. And now they must fly back to base, back to K5 Aviation in Germany, which, when I tracked, was an 8-hour, 15-minute flight. You pay for all of that. When you put the hourly rate together, we are talking in the region of 27 to 30 hours you know, including the layover period. But what I normally do since last year with all of these exposés is to present the base, you know, the, the, I mean, the floor, so that you can't, you, you can't be accused of having exaggerated or having inflated anything. So 21 hours was a very generous, very, you know, conservative figure. Now, you have to also consider... The other incidental charges. Anybody conversant with these charters, you pay for landing rates, you pay for parking rates, you pay ramp fees, you pay for repositioning fees. There are all kinds of incidental charges that you pay for that you must add to the hourly rate. And some companies will even charge you for the layover period when the crew, their hotel bills, the crew per diem rate, all of that is out of the 20,000 euros per hour. So for, you know, uh, Eugene Ahin to be so simplistic and create the impression as if when you charter an aircraft, you just come, okay, eight hours, 40 minutes, you've arrived, and that's all you pay for. It's, it's, it's the height of ignorance, and it's so embarrassing. I don't expect, you know, somebody you know, at that high level as communication director at the president of the Republic of Ghana to be doing that. He's, he's bringing too much embarrassment to the president. Look, the fundamental issue is that Ghana has a presidential jet. It is a long-range aircraft. This presidential jet could have flown the president directly to Brussels, which is a six-and-a-half-hour journey. This presidential jet we have flies nine hours nonstop before you need to refuel. President Mahama has used the presidential jet from Accra to Stockholm eight hours before I'm aware, and the records are there. So you can fly nine hours with this presidential jet. The jet, as we know, is in pristine condition because the latest VVIP passenger is the president's wife, uh, the, 
beautiful dear Rebecca, as he calls her, who used the jet to Kigali four hours, 49 minutes when I tracked. Nothing happened to her. She arrived safely. You know, but they said it was part piece. of the plan. It was part of the plan for the first lady to meet him in it, Rwanda for them to fly back to Ghana. It should have been part of the plan for this presidential jet to be used. It will have sent the president direct. Look, we have had so many dubious claims. Uh, by the claim experts have told them that they should use the jet for only intra African travel. Now, you see, in this statement, they are changing the goalpost. They say on the 26th. The president will use the, the jet now to Lisbon, Portugal. It's Portugal now in, in Africa. So you see, I mean, when you tell one lie, you have to keep telling so many lies. Look, let's cut the chase. The defense minister had a freedom slip in parliament. This whole thing is about luxury. It's about the president's creature comfort. He just wants to, you know, live like an Arabian king, a British aristocrat and a Russian oligarch at the same time. But Mr. Avlakwa, we, cannot, we cannot accept that. Mr. We cannot accept that. Mr. Avlakwa, the circumstances that were presented to the presidency of um, a strike by some aviation workers, at that point, what could really have been done since flights had been cancelled and rescheduled and he had an appointment um, in, in Chigali? Again, I mean, that is uh, an excuse that everybody is laughing at. You know, it's, it's is probably the most ridiculous part of, of that of that statement. So um, strike, but your private jet could come and and pick you up, and the presidential jet could not have come to pick you up. Is that what they are saying? That's, that's point one. Think about that. Point two. You admit in your own statement that you arrived in Brussels via train through Paris. So couldn't you have gone back the same way to Paris or to Holland? And in that hub, so many, it's a very busy, the busiest aviation transit point in the world. You know, so many options. There was a direct KLM flight to Kigali. So look, those excuses just don't make sense. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's be blunt. We must, we, we must be absolutely blunt and truthful with the Ghanaian people. What Eugene Ahin has put out there, you know, first of all, he only confirms that indeed they have engaged in this profligacy, in this ostentatious travel. At the time that you can't pay your NAPCO trainees, you can't pay school feeding, uh, caterers, they are asking for an increase from 97 pesos per child to three ganasies. You say that you don't have the money for it, you know, at the time that you owe DACF, National Health Insurance, Get Fund, you know, and and, and see the, 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 the conditions people are living in. See where inflation is. See the level of joblessness. See the, the, the excruciating hardship. You say you can't reduce taxes on, on, on fuel, you know, which has gone through the, the roof. You say that you need those taxes. Twelve taxes, about 40% of what we pay at the pump is all taxes. And you say you can't do anything about that because... We are in dire straits. You need the revenue. And this is what you are doing with the revenue. This is what you are doing with the revenue. This 4.1 million currency. Imagine what we could do with that money. The sectors that this will really come in handy to ameliorate the plight of people. So there can be absolutely no justification. There are other countries that are not as blessed as we have, as we are, to have a presidential jet in in, in pristine condition, which is 
modern. Take the Namibians. They have an older version of the Falcon 700. We have the 900 EXE. The Namibian mm. president, mm. 31 years on, is still using that jet. He takes it everywhere. There can be no justification. The French president, his presidential jet arrived the same year our presidential jet arrived. President uh, Macron is still using his jet. So, I mean, look, this, 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 with all due respect, cock and bull stories must, must stop. And you see how they go about it under the cover of darkness, pretend they are flying commercial, and then they make it in, do a meet me there, hoping that nobody will find out. If we had not activated our surveillance system in the spirit of oversight, pursuing our constitutional mandate of checks and balances, they will have gotten away with it. And look at the impunity. They are even refusing to account. See how many questions I have filed. Defense minister, finance minister, national security minister. All of them are refusing to account, claiming that it's national security. Even in this statement, what Ghanaians want to hear? One, what is the justification for refusing to use the presidential jet? Two, what is the cost of these travels? Okay, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't address those germane issues. Okay, Mr. Black, we've run out of time, but beyond telling us about these issues, reporting these issues, we've heard it so many times. Nothing seems to be really happening. I mean, are you satisfied with just, I mean, informing Ghanaians about how the president is spending on chartered flights and it, it, it ends there? Certainly not. I uh, certainly not. I mean, uh, we cannot be happy. Uh, what is going on? It's clear that we are confronted uh, with a situation um, that is, is is dire. You have a president who is determined to be obstinate, who is determined to be incorrigible, to be wasteful, and and who refuses to be frugal and to be empathetic and to follow his own pledge of protecting the public best. So what we have done, as you know, is to file urgent questions. We didn't get a response. We then proceeded to file a motion. Many people don't remember that my colleagues, the Honorable Senator Rawlings, the Honorable James Agaga, the Honorable Atu Fawson and I have filed a motion demanding a bipartisan parliamentary inquiry into this whole presidential travels ostentatious travel saga. Uh, so we're going to push for the Right Honorable Speaker uh, to just program it. I think what is left is for it to be programmed so that we can have a debate and set up the committee and proceed with a probe. I must also reveal to you that uh, we are currently working, I'm leading a team that is working on a private member's bill to regulate presidential travel. And I'm hoping that we'll get some bipartisan support along the line uh, so that we can regulate presidential travel uh, in Ghana and legally stop, you know, a reckless, insensitive president from visiting uh, this, this wastefulness on, mm. on struggling Ghanaian people. All right. Before you go, um, another issue you've been speaking about is that of the National Cathedral. Now, the Attorney General is demanding an apology and some comments you made about him with regards to the National Cathedral. Your comment. He will not get any apology. Uh, he must be apologizing to the Ghanaian people for all the illegality and all the dubious conduct they have been engaged in. That's so sourcing that they gave to David Ajay. He's a member of the PPA board. That's so sourcing. Totally abusing 
be desecrating the Public Procurement Act, where they claim that under Section 725B, they are giving uh, the sole sourcing contract to awarding the contract to Sir David Ajay. That provision, when you pay regard to that provision, it relates to emergency, uh, catastrophe. It talks about exceptional circumstances. What was the catastrophe in 2018? I am surprised that he has the temerity, he has the, the courage to, be, to, to want to intimidate me. I mean, those of us who are exposing the, the wrong, you are the chief legal advisor of the government. And you sat there and allowed the finance minister to be withdrawing about 200 million Ghana cities and more from the consolidated fund without parliamentary approval. Those are the germane issues they should be responding to. So nobody will be intimidated. He wants to go to court. I'm ready to meet him there. Look, by the time we are done with this National Cathedral expose, some people will surely have to end up in jail for the egregious crime they have committed against the Ghanaian people. Thank you very much um, for speaking to us. You're welcome. So that was Samuel Okudyotoa-Blakwa, the Member of Parliament for North Tongue. It's time to bring you um, an update from the world of business. Ellen Dapa is on standby. Please stay tuned. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. To the stories now, after navigating through the heights of the COVID-19 pandemic, Ghana has an opportunity in the coming decades to accelerate economic economic transformation through enhancing transparency in data gathering. This is according to the 2021 World Development Report on Data for Better Lives by the World Bank. According to the report, despite the strategic investments in digital infrastructure and the development of legal and regulatory frameworks for safe data usage, much more can be done. Speaking at a ceremony to launch the report in Accra, Patrick Mullen, Acting Country Director at the World Bank Ghana office highlighted how relevant the report is to Ghana. It's very relevant to Ghana given Ghana's leadership in uh, digital transformation, developing a data-driven digital economy, and investments from both the public and private sectors. In fact, Ghana was one of the first countries in Africa to establish a data protection commission, which has been supported by the ongoing World Bank financed um, e-transform Ghana project. Ghana's score of, uh, you know, at the World Bank we measure, we measure everything and we have a uh, statistical performance indicator. Ghana's score of 62 out of 100 was among the higher scores in Africa and it reflects uh, progress in terms of data use, data services, data products, data sources and data infrastructure. And the analysis of course shows also a number of opportunities and challenges that, uh, that need to be addressed. Ghana's efforts aim to enable the use of data to create economic and social value, promote equitable opportunities to benefit from data, and uh, very importantly, foster citizens' trust that they will not be harmed by the misuse of data that they provide. That was the acting country director at the World Bank Ghana office, Patrick Mullen. 
Now, local pharmaceutical giant Intravenous Infusions PLC has recorded an increase in revenue of 9.7% for the year ended December 31, 2021. This growth in revenue, according to the company, resulted in profits before tax of 1.4 million Ghana cities compared to the 1.3 million Ghana cities recorded in 2020. At its sixth annual general meeting held in Accra today, the pharmaceutical company, however, did not declare a dividend for the year 2021. Board chairman of Intravenous Infusions PLC, Isaac Osei, in an interaction with City Business News, explained the reason behind this decision decision on the sidelines of the AGM. It is important for us at this time to upscale our operations and this requires us to build a new factory and we are going to do exactly that. In view of this, you will notice that the shareholders who actually own the company, we've just decided, you know, the board felt it was a duty for us to ensure that as much cash as possible is retained in the company so that we do not increase too much our loan uh, portfolio. We want to use the internal cash. And so this year, we are not paying our dividends. But over the past few years, you know, we've been paying consistently, even though we are not a, a huge company. Not only that, directors also have decided that there will be no increase. And I'm sure management will be on board with us at the end of the year not to demand any increases in their salary because we, we have a better future. You know, so you sacrifice now and make sure that the company is in, in such a strong position that it can now afford to pay the dividends that we indicated in our listing prospectus. So we've done it over the last three years, and uh, it's only this year that we think that in the long-term interest of the company, we should postpone that. So that is why we are not paying dividends this year. Isaac Osei is the board chairman of Intravenous Infusions PLC. Moving on, Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia has expressed satisfaction in the high level of interest being shown by foreign investors in improving Ghana's digital infrastructure. Now, this follows the opening of Ghana's first Tier 4 data center in Accra yesterday. The Onyx Tier 4 data center is the most complex data storage system with the most redundant components, which only a few countries in Africa have. According to the Vice President, the establishment of this ultra-modern data center is in line with government's vision to make Ghana a digital hub in the sub-region and the massive investment will offer businesses more alternatives for sensitive data storage. This strategic investment by the African Infrastructure Investment Managers and its management will assist the government to realize our digitalization goals as it continues to build new systems to change the old ways of doing things. The initial investment and subsequent ones by the African Infrastructure Investment Managers is and will be in excess of 48 million U.S. dollars, which represents tangible proof that foreign investors continue to have faith in our digital transformation agenda in Ghana. Again, I'm reliably informed that in late 2021, Onyx was certified as the only African-based career neutral co-location data center outside of South Africa to be awarded the coveted Uptime Institute Tier 4 accreditation. This therefore makes Ghana the only Tier 4 have with the only Tier 4 data center in West Africa, as we have been told. You heard Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia speaking there. 
The number of exporters in Ghana has significantly reduced over the period and the COVID-19 virus outbreak is partly to blame as the Federation of Association of Ghanaian exporters has indicated that the pandemic forced some players out of business. This confirmed the findings of a recent World Bank report that indicated a decline in the number of players in the country's export market over the last decade. First Vice President of the Federation, Marjorie Abdin, indicated that the pandemic disrupted distribution channels, which made a lot of her colleagues in the agricultural sector, for instance, lose out as they were not able to export their ready produce. The most immediate reason, of course, is COVID. Unexpectedly, flights were uh, truncated, and therefore exporters, especially the agricultural producers, didn't have a way of um, uh, exporting their produce because there was no cargo space. So you found that a lot of their produce, especially for um, produce that were not particularly demanded by the local market, they got rotten, and that was a a, a deep uh, loss. For, for the producers, um, having suffered that loss, it took them, or it's taking them, quite a, uh, a long time to bounce back. Um, other reasons, as far as the agriculture produce, um, produce is concerned, is um, the high incidence of uh, pests and diseases, and even um, higher incidence of um, MRL, which represents the chemical levels uh, induced by spraying the crops. You have the Vice President of the Federation of Associations of Ghanaian Exporters, Marjorie Abdon. And finally, craftsmen in the country risk being redundant in the near future if they fail to upgrade their skills to the new trends and deliver acceptable level of quality. Ho Technical University lecturer Dr. Divano Viato believes adoption of precision quality would help such players achieve this feat. The term was coined by the Design and Technology Institute of Ghana to highlight the value of precision industries and quality products and services in job creation. Dr. Noviato was speaking during the City Business Festival on Air Series. So the precision quality by uh, Madame Swanika's group, uh, DTI, has three mo- uh, five modules. Mm-hmm. So we have the first one is change to grow. Mm-hmm. Second one is process integration. The third one is people and team development. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one is health and safety. Mm-hmm. And then the final one is customer relations. So the first one is this, change to grow. We are trying to make the student or the master craft person aware that where you are, you need to think about growth. The world is moving. Don't, you may have the core competencies now, but in five years, they'll be obsolete. So try to have that awareness at heart. Mind change, the shift in mindset that knowing that tomorrow there's a change. So if you have that engraved in them and you show them examples of changes that are occurring in their fields, they wake up to the realize and know, even self-development, I have to commence it myself. So that is change to grow, mindset change. Slowly, but if you reassure them, and support them, they will do that. Dr. Devai Noviato is a whole technical university lecturer bringing an end to City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. Up next is Points Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
You welcome back to Eyewitness News, and this is the Point Blank segment. Tonight, we are going to bring you a playback of the inaugural lecture um, of the Director of Urban Studies and Head of Geography and Resource Development Department at the University of Ghana, Professor Martin Oting Abibio. He's been speaking on the topic, Double Standard, Single Purpose, Deconstructing the Fence Wall for Sustainable Municipal Waste Management. Before we do that, though, the results of the GJA elections or the Ghana Journalist Association elections um, have been um, given. Um, so this is the official results have been declared. The president-elect gave his speech. Let's listen to Albert Jumfo after he was declared winner. And then we'll come back and play back the inaugural lecture of Professor Abebio. The outgoing president, Mr. Roland Afermoni, the outworking elections committee. Dear colleagues, first of all, I want to thank the Almighty God and all members in good standing for the confidence reposed in me. Indeed, it has been very long, almost two years. But at long last, the battle is over. And Ghanaian journalists have made a decision. A decision to put me up front is very humbly. I will, in all humility, serve to promote their welfare raise standards of the profession as well as rise against anti-media elements. I am committed to the transformation of the association in all elements. Welfare as key. I invite all other contestants to the table as we deliberate in the interest of journalists. All stakeholders are welcome. In fact, my administration will actively engage all stakeholders for the good of journalism. So let me use this opportunity to commend my two opponents, who are also my senior colleagues, Mr. Dave Agbenu and Mr. Geert Mensah, for giving me a good run for my money. I am, by this victory speech, call on my brothers to respectfully come on board and support me to push this association forward. I also want to use this opportunity to call on all supporters of various candidates to bury all differences and rally behind the new executives elect for a prosperous GJ. On behalf of the newly elected executives, I say thank you, gallant men and women of our great association. Long live GJ, long live Ghana. So that was Albert Jumfo. President-elect of the Ghana Journalist Association, giving his victory speech there. 
Let's now listen to Professor Martin Oting Abebio, who has bemoaned the lack of an independent approach in fighting waste management in the country. He made this comment at an inaugural lecture on the topic double standards, single purpose, deconstructing the fence wall for sustainable municipal waste management. My thinking is, and it is right, when it comes to waste management, our policymakers has, they have virtually left it to the citizenry to, to decide. It's a subject matter that they think that, oh, and it's always said, and they, they get away with it, that it's an attitudinal, attitudinal, and we all blame the citizen. My thinking is that it's a misplaced, and I will demonstrate from my research that it's misplaced. It's misplaced because all of us, all of us, all of us, all, we go to the UKs and we go to the US. When we get there, we don't do the things that we do here. We don't do because there's some law that you have to follow, and you will definitely follow. When it comes to Ghana and we are not following it, there should be something wrong. It's policy. Then we need to talk about it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, waste management is about our life. It's about society. It's about how we manage our life. It's not about who is where. It doesn't matter. I will do that eventually. So what is about waste management that we have to know? Madam Chair, inequalities in our service provision has long been part of our society. The 35th anniversary of Ghana Engineers of Society organized lectures in 2004 about waste management and the way forward. Then in 2005, the Interministerial Organization organized a fanfare on how to keep our environment clean. Indeed, not too long ago, in 2017, our president, the president of the Republic, formed a ministry that is supposed to take care of waste management. Indeed, in 2019, the president picked a delegation to Luanda to study how they were managing their waste. Apparently, they were doing things better. Rwanda today is the, the cleanest city in Africa. Before this intervention, former President John Mahama had introduced the Clean Your Environment campaign in November 2014, where occasionally people were asked to come to clean, to clean their environment. Let me say this, that that wasn't a novel. It wasn't something that was new, because my boss, President Jerry John Rawls, used to also organize people to come up occasionally to clean the environment. The truth of the matter today is that the government is prepared to pay waste management companies money to take our waste and dump it. The government will pay it. I don't know the reason, but we will talk about it at the later stage. But the government pays them to dump waste. Notwithstanding the fact that 
in our policy, the which has been described as goods in transit. We talk about it. Our studies have revealed, as we speak today, we have 136 laws, regulations, IS, on waste management today. So it's not a question about we don't have the laws. We have 136 laws on waste in Ghana. Perhaps the last one is the the the, the, the sanitation levy law. And I can tell you without any fear of contradiction that as, as at 17th May, government has accrued 196,597,153 Ghana cities from that, 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 that levy. The point I'm trying to stress is that if it's about we Ghanaians responding to government policy, we have done more than enough. I'm going to present this and end up and saying that if there's any shortfall in waste management in Ghana, it's the policy makers. They have, a, in fact, anybody who talks about attitudinal, the citizen, the people, is misplaced. No, there's nothing like that. The honors lie straight on the government. Our governments, they take the chunk of the responsibility. Indeed, Listen, waste management has two components, the software and the hardware. The software deals with the regulations which the government controls, and the hardware deals with the landfills, those things. All these are capital-intensive issues government have to. Anytime government cannot do that, you liaise with the private sector and you create the enabling environment for the private sector to do that. Anytime you create the enabling environment and you, you have an interest in that, forget it. Madam Chair, in 2011, if you may recall, government institutes this plastic levy where government was charging or is charging 10% of levy on anybody who brings raw plastic into the country. That is 2011. The citizenry ship obeyed and have been paying since 2011. And take it from me, from 2011, nobody has known where that money has gone. It's a fact. I'm not, government charges 10% on plastic Recyclers for bringing in plastic so that they can take care of the plastic waste. I'm not very sure whether that is done. These are not enough. Indeed, we have the Center of Scientific Research. In 2019, they came out with a policy. They came up with a chimney where they can, they can burn with at a thousand degrees Fahrenheit into ash, and they use the ash as a raw material to produce fertilizer. It's still in the coma. 
Nobody knows about this. It's not, it's not an individual. It's a public sector. And they can only come up with innovation and they need government support. At, 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 at the private sector level, we have a company in Tema, Servicena, an individual company that can turn waste into energy. They can, they can turn organic waste. Their recycling machine can take waste and turn it to energy. They can turn the water from the sludge, the shit, if you want me to use the right word, into irrigation water. Those who follow the media very well, they are in court of government who does what. My point is this. These mouth-watering initiatives have not, as, I, as we speak, they have not had any positive impact on our waste management practices in the country. They haven't acquired as our economic hub, administrative hub, socioeconomic hub, stinks. Across things. That is the word that I want to use. It takes a bone. And that's the truth. Anybody who gives you the different picture is, is massaging the truth. The truth of the matter is that across things. Go to Kolebu. It is the hub of our health service. It stinks. Go to Kaneshi Market. It stinks. Go to Makola. It stinks. Across things. So we should be worried. You and I should be worried because I will demonstrate to you wherever you sit today, you are also culpable, perhaps enjoying the fruits of bad environmental management. So that was Professor Martin Obeng Abibio. Speaking about our approach to fighting waste management in this country. And he was speaking at his inaugural lecture. And it was the topic, double standards, single purpose, deconstructing the fence wall for sustainable municipal waste management. That's how we end Eyewitness News. On 97.3 CTFM, my name is Zoe Abubeidu Ado Elia. Kweku Ejiama and San was here to bring us some of the stories. The show was produced by Sixtus Dong Ulu, Anas Seidu, and Bevelin London, with technical assistance from Daniel Squashi. <laughs> Many thanks for being a part of tonight's edition of Eyewitness News. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.